And now it's time for Eastcast and reports from coastal stations. East Utsira, West Utsira, South West Utsira and North North East Utsira. Wind South West, rain at times, good. Forties, fifties, sixties, Tyne, Dogger, German Bite, French Kiss and Swiss Roll. Westerly becoming cyclonic, good. Right here in London's East End. Operating at any level, any time, anywhere, and with anybody. Who are they? One might be your secretary, your doctor's receptionist, or a dancer in a go-go club. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Now, now, now. Hello and welcome back to Eastcast here on Resonance 104.4 FM and DAB. Eastcast is a monthly delve into the arts, the culture and the community bubbling up in East London, but always resonating beyond this little corner of the world. So wherever you're listening, good to have you with us. I'm Pearl Wise and I'm here with Johnny Virgo and our new recruit, Jess Lawson. Hello, Pearl, and hello, world. How East? How are you doing, everybody? East Casters, I hope you're good. Hi, everyone. I'm Jesse. Thanks for having me. Um, I was actually on East Cast last month. Uh, you played my mini podcast on the Right to Rent scheme, uh, and it's nice to be here live today. This month's show is set to be a roller coaster ride around East London. We're joined in the studio by Douglas Carson to tell us more about a two week long festival in London Fields Tap Room. And I speak to Joe Hagen about a new analogue cultural hub just around the corner from there. We find out why everyone, especially artists, should move to Stoke on Trent. Believe me, Stoke on Trent. And we have the lovely stack at the piano and ukulele to perform live later. But first, Jess also works with literacy charity Hackney Pirates, who have just produced their first podcast. Tell us more. Uh, yep, yeah. so I work at a literacy charity in Dalston called the Hackney Pirates and we've just finished making a series of podcasts using stories written by the young people that we work with. Um, I'm going to give you a, pre- a preview of the podcast series but first um, I brought along two of my colleagues, Anthony and Carmen, uh, who are here to help explain who we are and what we do. So, Anthony and Carmen, hello. Um, hello. <laughs> I thought we could play a little Hackney Pirates introduction game so if you'd like can you say who you are, what you do at the Hackney Pirates and what you had for breakfast this morning. Nice. Do you want to, okay. Uh, my name's Carmen. I'm the volunteer coordinator at the Hackney Pirates, so I recruit and coordinate volunteers. Um, and for breakfast, I had uh, Weetabix, two bars, are they bars? Two bars of Weetabix with a sprinkling of brown sugar. Awesome. Uh, so my name's Anthony. I am one of the session leaders at the Hackney Pirates. Um, people call me a teacher, but I prefer the term captain. Um, and for breakfast, I had a snotty, um, fr- a snotty fruit and veg uh, smoothie. But it, it just looked like snot. <laughs> um, and could you tell us what is the Hackney Pirates and what goes on there and why does it exist? Okay, um, so what is the Hackney Pirates? The Hackney Pirates is a charity, an educational charity, um, that helps develop literacy, confidence and perseverance of uh, young people from local schools aged between 9 to 12 who come to us after school and they work with um, with volunteers so they get one-to-one adult attention in an unconventional learning environment which is a pirate ship on the Kings and High Street um, and we also publish uh, all their products in book form or as a podcast which you'll hear later um, and we've even done a film which we've screened at the Rio uh, so that's kind of in a nutshell what the Hackney Pirates is. 
Excellent. Um, And as an organisation, we were founded by trained and experienced teachers, and we have teachers running our sessions, so they they very much work with school. Uh, You asked why we exist. Uh, Essentially, it's to try to close the the attainment gap. Uh, The UK has one of the strongest links between low family income and poor academic attainment. Um, And that's not because, you know, wealthy families are somehow brighter. It's all about access to opportunity. By the time you're 11 years old in this country, if you're coming from a middle to high income family, you've had roughly double the exposure to extracurricular support as you would have if you're coming from a low income family. So it's about making sure that things are a little bit more equal and all children are having access to the opportunities outside of school. That makes learning really fun and engaging. As Carmen said, we play lots of games. We have a really engaging uh, uh, facility, but we also publish work so they see uh, their their videos in a cinema they hear their recordings on a podcast on a radio station thanks very much um we've all actually just come from the hackney pirates who just finished work uh, so could you explain if someone was to go in walk into the ship and visit um what happens what would they see on a day-to-day basis okay so this is your visual tour of the hackney pirates um when you arrive you first first you get to the ship of adventures which is a a shop and a and a cafe um the first thing you'll see on the outside is a big octopus and uh, when you come in uh, you'll see the kind of the hull of a ship you'll be in the middle of a hull of a ship if you look above you'll see a boat hanging uh, and there'll be globes and lovely books and treasure uh, lots of amazing things and then um, if you're lucky you might find the secret passageway so you go through a dark secret passageway and you'll emerge on a staircase of books and if you carry on down you'll get into the deep underwater cave Um, and if you hold your breath and survive what will you see as you as you uh, emerge into the deep you'll you'll see an undulating ceiling uh, which is, is there just to show you that you are actually under the sea. Um, you'll see a library uh, of actual books and we, uh, in the first half of our sessions, you'll see our volunteers reading one-to-one with their young pirates, putting on lots of voices to make it engaging, but also supporting them to figure out the words they're unsure about or to, to really comprehend the meaning of what they're reading. Um, on the other side of the, uh, of the deep, you'll see a big stage uh, and whenever we are embarking on a writing project, we'll do lots and lots of sharing, get them to read out their work to build their confidence. Uh, but we have some other rooms upstairs what might you find upstairs Carmen? so uh, when you go up the staircase of books uh, there's lots of other spaces and rooms uh, there's the boring side there's our office um, and then <laughs> next door to the office is the ideas room and that's a tropical room with a the only tropical mural in Dalston uh, we like to say um, and a golden wall glittering golden wall and tropical fish um, and what else uh, well there's there's other children in there um, That's right, and, yeah. And so, what are uh, they doing? So, we work with the first two, uh, last two years of primary school. They're downstairs in the deep, but upstairs in the ideas room, you'll find the first two years of secondary school. Um, and again, we're giving these guys the same types of projects. Um, we don't offer them one to one attention just yet, uh, but hopefully, with your help, we'll get more volunteers and we'll be able to do that. Absolutely. I'm sure everyone who listens to this will sign up to volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, last time we were working. Uh, last term, we were working with a Hackney radio station called Real Rebels Radio, and they helped us to produce a series of podcasts. Um, so we asked the, the young pirates, that's what we call the, the children that we work with, we asked them to write stories about their ideal world leaders, imagining that in 2050 we've managed to have ideal world leaders. And we asked them to imagine problems that the leaders might be facing and then think about how they would solve them. So they all wrote stories about their ideal leaders and how they'd solve their problems. Um, We then invited professional actors to come into the deep um, and the young pirates became directors and directed the actors in how to record their stories. Um, We're now going to play you a little section from one of the podcasts that we've made. Um, We we set out like a news broadcast, so it's uh, imagining a world roundup of uh, the news of 2050. So the section that we're going to play starts with the problems that the leaders are facing. 
some leaders encountered some evil enemies. His name is Lord Dominoes. He is shaped like a pizza slice, and he smells as horrible as rotten fish because he is so evil. There was a day when I was giving a speech to try and make new homes, more schools, things like that. But that day before I was going to do my speech, someone stole my blueprint because they did not agree with me. On the other hand, there was a guy called Hesky Beanhead. If people made fun of him, he would stuff them down the toilet and press the flush. They would end up in a sticky sewer. Boros, who is Blast's brother, brings distress to the town, sucking away their inspiration and confidence in themselves, and he takes their money. But suddenly, ex-president Stump warns Susanna, You better get out of my election or else I will blow up Mexico! Susanna replied calmly, Let me see about that, boy. Some were left on shaky ground. Suddenly, there was a frightening earthquake. Then the climate starts to change. The earthquake triggered a reaction from the volcanoes and they shot lava into the sky. It was a normal day on Mars. Well, it was until, thud, the ground began to shake. Whoosh! Everyone got knocked off their feet and suddenly I became unconscious. He went to the skate at South Bank. When he jumped off the big ramp, he jumped through the traitor's gate at the Tower of London. He went up the sewer pipes and into the tower itself. slime leading into the distance. In the distance there was what looked like a crash, but could have been anything. The fire gleamed. No, people cried as I followed the neon green slime towards the distance. It must have been an hour or two. I was frail and weak. My water was almost gone. We don't need no This year, some world leaders tried to get to the bottom of our problems with the 2050 education system. One of her main goals is to get equipment for the other school children. However, the head teacher was reluctant to agree with Lydia's decision. Our problem is that most secondary children are being excluded from school because of bad behaviours such as messing around in class, not focusing, and a habit of bullying. However, Jay Cole understands that it is not only bad behaviour, but there are poor kids who can't afford enough money, so there are not enough teachers to help children learn. A few of our leaders had some perturbing pollution problems. One day. There was an explosion in my lab, which mixed the chemicals and they leaked into the ocean and put the animals in danger. I know how bad polluting the air is, but we just hate to walk. We want to drive, someone from Smokesville said as they waved the smoke from their sore eyes. How bad is that? 
This litter and pollution caused very harmful problems for space as well. This rubbish turned into a ferocious force and covered the planets. It even covered the sun. As you can see, the world leaders of 2050 have faced diverse and difficult problems this year. The one thing that united leaders across the world this year was that every single one used their leadership qualities to succeed in solving their problems. Let's have a look at some of the ways they managed to pull this off. For some, it was about keeping a cool head and knowing what to do. Susanna obviously had a powerful plan, which was the best plan ever. Duh! So that was a little section from one of our podcasts made by the, the young pirates at the Hackney Pirates. If you want to find out how it ends, how they solved all their problems, you can go to their very own website, which is captainsmanifesto.hackneypirates.org. Uh, there's loads more there. Their film is there as well. It's really great. You should check it out. Um, also, before we finish with the Hackney Pirates, Carmen, could you tell us uh, what people could do if they want to volunteer with us? Absolutely. It's really easy to volunteer. All you have to do is visit our website, which is um, www.hackneypirates.org uh, forward slash volunteer. Um, and uh, you fill out a simple form uh, and, we, you know, go from there. Um, I just It's important to say that it's a really flexible volunteering opportunity. Everyone's busy in London, got very busy lives, and we understand that. It's just one afternoon a month um, and it's three hours and you choose the day that you want to volunteer. We don't tell you which day to come. Uh, so you can work it around your schedule um, and we ask for a 12 sessions commitment, uh, but you can do that once a month over a year. Uh, so it's super simple, super easy, and you'll be making a big impact uh, in the local community. And yeah, just a quick word on impact. Um, in the space of a year, we're seeing that our young pirates are improving in their reading and writing ranges 50% faster than their peers. Uh, so this is having a, a massive impact in helping young people improve their literacy, which is the gateway to the rest of the curriculum. Thank you so much, all of you, for coming and joining us in the studio. It's super inspiring, and I'm sure your call-out will produce some results. It's, yeah, um, very, very inspiring indeed. Um, so last week, I found myself looking around an estate agent's in Stoke Newington that made me do a few double takes at the prices. How could everything be so cheap? Was I reading the property boards correctly? It turns out I wasn't dreaming but it wasn't quite that simple. I particularly like this terraced house here. It is in Mia, which is where I grew up. It's got lots of green spaces and kind of community areas, lots of little independent shops. And you've got a two-bedroom terrace house, really beautifully appointed, lovely windows at £55,000. Now, I've looked online at an equivalent property here in Stoke Newington, and the cheapest one I could find was a million pounds. So if you own that property here in Stoke Newington, you could sell that and buy at least eight of these properties in Stoke. Start your own little art empire if you wanted to. In the north of the city, but still only two miles from the city centre, uh, a two-bedroom house mid-terrace. So that's uh, two bedrooms upstairs, a living room and a dining room downstairs, a bathroom and a yard for less than £50,000. Slightly bigger than that, Burslem, which is uh, known as the mother town of the Potteries. It's the birthplace of Josiah Wedgwood. 97 Bank Hall Road in Burslem, three-bedroom, semi-detached 
house, front and back garden, £140,000. How about um, this one here in uh, Queen Street in Burslem? It's a beautiful art uh, deco building which has got lots of ground floor retail units in an area which is quite up and coming. So it's a real steal at £8,500 a year. Let me see. Our, uh, our, the cheapest property on display here is in... A small thorn, which is less than a mile from the city centre. Again, a mid-terrace two-bedroom uh, house there. Uh, the monthly rent on that is £325. We have about 45 properties advertised on the wall, and these are real-life, real-time uh, properties that come from a Stoke-on-Trent estate agency called Butters John B. These are authentic uh, properties that, that you can buy or let right now. Uh, they're a mix of uh, residential lets and sales and commercial lets and sales. The first thing to say is that no commission has been uh, agreed with the estate agents' houses that we've got on display here. And to be realistic, we're not looking to make sales, but we are looking to start or to further the discussion about the positive aspects of relocation. You know, to explore the psychological pluses and minuses of of being stuck in a place. My name's Glenn Stoker. I'm a director at Airspace Gallery in Stoke-on-Trent, and Airspace Gallery are partnering the lead artist on the estate agency project, Anna Francis. Really, the estate agency is a proposition from Anna Francis to, to invite London artists to explore... Uh, notions of relocation and within that you know what what are the issues involved in relocation what does it mean if suddenly there was an exodus of artists from London what would that mean to London what would it mean to Stoke-on-Trent if there was a sudden influx of artists into that city how how would it change the community how would it change the psychological landscape of both cities so it really it's a project that explores that and and we're not suggesting that it has to be Stoke-on-Trent. It could be anywhere. We know that already artists are, are starting to leave London, mainly for the south coast, to towns like Margate. But also we know that Birmingham and Manchester is seeing some uh, movement in that area. And so it really Stoke stands as a proposition. I'm Harriet Murray. I'm half of Campbell Works. So Campbell Works is run by me and Neil Taylor. And uh, we set up the gallery in 2004 as a response to our frustrations of knowing so many fantastic artists and all of us struggling to get shows. As artists, we were invited to go and do a project in Stoke-on-Trent at Airspace. We didn't know very much about them before we went, and the project we proposed for them was to go and get to know them as people and how they operated. The similarities between their practice and our practice. They're all artists running a gallery. And from that project two years ago, we established a link between the two spaces and then wanted to invite them down to run a project here. And discussing with them what issues sort of chime between the two cities. Um, The whole issue of uh, shortage of space in London and how hard it is to get studios and how expensive they are. As opposed to up there, they have lots and lots of space and a smaller population of people. So we thought there was a nice mirroring going on there. And Anna designed this project where she would set up an estate agent to promote properties up in Stoke. And we were selling it as cheap studio space in Stokey. 
which um, is what this area gets nicknamed, and Stoke-on-Trent gets nicknamed, so it was a bit like, oh, that plays well, it's quite amusing. Right near a big road that leads you onto the M6. I'm Nicola Winstanley, I'm an artist that currently lives and works in Stoke-on-Trent, and I'm an estate agent here at the estate agency. Stoke-on-Trent is actually my hometown, I was born there, but that's not the reason I'm there. I did uh, move away to Manchester for a few years and continued my practice there, but um, got drawn back to the city because it is very easy to live and sustain a practice there, basically because of the cheap rents. And also there seems to be a lot of opportunity, uh, particularly for for artists like myself that work in social contexts. It really is a malleable place to work. When I was living in Manchester, I felt like a small fish, you know, in a big pond and in a place that had developed creatively to a point where it almost felt cynical, it felt superficial. Whereas in Stoke-on-Trent, artists working there, it feels... Like you can make quite significant changes as an artist and that's quite empowering and it feels like a bit of a playground for artists. My practice has ranged quite a lot from public art to public engagement and social uh, engagement in arts and it looks a lot at the role of culture and art in regeneration. One of my parts of my role here was to create uh, what I've called a conveyancing document here which traditionally in the estate agency would be between uh, the seller and the buyer of a property. But in this instance, it's between artists who might consider moving from London to a place like Stoke-on-Trent and an actual group of artists that I run back in Stoke-on-Trent that meets regularly to discuss the process of gentrification and how it works and what we can recognise in our city because it's not actually got to that point yet. So it's sort of anticipating these changes and whether artists do have any power to influence those changes. So the survey is a number of questions that just gauges how London artists are prepared to engage with a new city if they're going to move to it. If they can bring some of their knowledge of what's happened in London to a place like Stoke-on-Trent. We're realistic. We know that the art market in the UK is magnetised around London. We know that. And I think Stoke-on-Trent and other cities in a better position than Stoke, like Birmingham and Manchester, can't really offer that art market. But the, the world's changed in the era of the internet. It seems that the imperative to stay in the capital maybe isn't quite so cut and dried. You know, it's, transport links are, are getting better by the day. It's an hour and a half from uh, Stoke-on-Trent to London. And I know from travelling around London on the tube, it takes an hour to get anywhere in London, you know. So the, the country is a much smaller place than it has been previously. This isn't an idealistic or, or utopian vision. We know that in order to make that move, you may lose some quality of life. I think the payoff here is that you're involved in building something new in a a new location. It might not be easy, but I think there are real knock-on benefits that that we see. I mean, one of the things that we hear from, from artists in London is that their disposable income is really tiny uh, once they've paid their living expenses. So, uh, in a sense, you have this leisure carrot that is dangled in front of you. You have all of these possibilities to go and do wonderful things, 
but maybe not the cash to actually take advantage of that. In Stoke, maybe the leisure offer is really squeezed, but you do have a bit more disposable income. And actually, I think that disposable income gives you quite a bit of freedom to be adventurous about where you go. If you move to a new place, it doesn't mean that you're stuck there, you know. And and I think there's some freeing up that, that could be done through relocation. The reactions that we've had in the early stages uh, have ranged from shock at the level of the prices, you know, to this is all well and good, but I could never imagine leaving London. I mean, uh, we've had uh, some of those thoughts too. You know, it's a conversation that we want to keep going and and keep pursuing. Are you tempted now to ditch your life in London (laughs) and move from Stoke Newington to Stoke and Trim? No and yes in the sense that we've done a lot of projects outside London and they're always very a very great thing to do. You meet amazing people and you get different perspectives on life. And I think London, I'm born and bred Londoner, but I do know London works a bit like some sort of black hole vortex. Once you're in it, you kind of can't get out. And I think that's not particularly healthy for people here you know I would recommend everybody should get out and have a look because there's a whole world outside London (laughs) and I think to not carry a kind of London eye with you and I think that's a problem people go out wanting to see the same and it doesn't look the same and it's like looking for the little flowers in between the paving stones you know don't look for the big rose bush but you will find amazing things out there but they're not going to be the same Um, and you have to be open. If you've been convinced or simply want to find out more or if you're an artist who can help with their conveyancing survey, head to estate-agency.org. You're listening to Eastcast's show on Resonance 104.4 FM and DAB. Don't forget you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook at Eastcast Show and you can listen again to our interviews and music online on East on iTunes, Eastcast Show London and at eastcastshow.com where you can also sign up for the monthly newsletter, do it, and you'll get all our audio news straight into your inbox. And now with us in the studio is Douglas Carson the man behind an ambitious, multifaceted, two-week-long festival starting on the 15th of this month at London Fields Tap Room. Hi, Douglas. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm all good, thanks. And, and we've been talking about this festival before. It sounds a bit, sounds like you're a madman. It's a truly <laughs> eclectic event. And what's the motivation behind it? What's the story that, joined, that inspired it? So, I mean, art is a beautiful thing, and I think it helps a lot of people. Basically, that is the bottom line to it. You know, the okay. art, art brings joy to people. It brings joy to communities, and it brings people together and allows them to get through difficult times. Um, I will just com- say one thing, business-wise. It, it actually starts on the twelfth, which is this Friday. Starts on Friday. It Everybody starts on, Friday. starts on the twelfth. Starts on Friday. Sorry, that was uh, dud info. Everyone remember the twelfth. Yeah. Um, and it was also kind of motivated by the fact that there's a lot of really creative people out there who don't have a platform for where to share their work, where to share their Mm -hmm. voice. And a big part of this festival is wanting to give people a voice and wanting to give people a stage and walls to hang pictures on to show off and kind of make an event around the fact of artists sharing and people coming and enjoying their work. So it's visual arts, right? Yeah, yeah. uh, I understand there's comedy. What else is going on? So it starts off with a a pretty bold uh, burlesque, 
show with cabaret and storytelling okay. on Friday night. Which yeah. is so we've got a uh, Norman Bailey who, who coming in and telling a few beautiful stories along with in between that we're gonna have some cabaret rouge okay. and veronica blacklace doing some burlesque but then we, you know then it goes from there so then we've got music day one that's got 10 bands uh including empire warning and oh, it's, it's my brain kind of gets fuzzed with all the details um no, really we've got a lot. Yeah. uh pop-up painting is running a participatory painting including a family oriented paint day which is sunday the 15th we've got stand-up comedy we've got uh live film performance art we've got chamber music we've got uh turn the slate productions who's like a multi-award winning screening company we've got i mean it's just it's just it's the whole thing check out the website it's uh www.12festival.co.uk sorry is that one two with numbers how do you, yeah. how do, you do that please? uh so it's one spelled out and two the number and then festival and then festival.co.uk yeah Brilliant. Well, like I had a look at the website and there were a lot of things on there with the that were sort of performers that I was familiar with from spoken word. But there are I mean, like I understand who's headlining your comedy night. So headlining the comedy night is uh one Mr. Tony Law, who oh, is wow. pretty, pretty awesome. Um but we've also got lots of other people like uh Faye Tracy is coming in, Richard Todd, Lucy Frederick, you know, uh, Paul McGarity and Trishnell you know, it's just this whole, this whole thing, man. It's 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 pretty overwhelming to to be able to see all these people perform and to be part of something so amazing. It's just kind of snowballed, and it's it's really quite the thing. <laughs> no, really, it sounds. It, I'm definitely. actually almost at a loss for words and, and being so excited. It's I know it's a. No, definitely. I mean, seeing everything that's available there makes me think. There are so many things that you want to cherry pick, right? It's one of those festivals. Like there's beautiful, there's experimental theater, all kinds of music going on. Yeah. But there's also, is there a chance to do like the whole festival experience? Yeah. If you, anybody wants to sort of take a punt, <laughs> you know what I mean? And see beyond just what they what they know. Yeah. Explore. If, if you guys want to come down, we've got uh, our all access pass. That's uh, available now at 75 pounds. That gets you into all the events that are part of the festival. Other than that, they're, they're ticketed. Uh, as individual events. But on top of that, I just, you know, the, part of the festival is not just to have ticketed events where people are making money for their art. You know, th- there's also a huge amount of community outreach, and that's that's definitely a big part of the festival's ethos is, you know, giving back to the community as well and not just, you know, having art be this separate thing. So, yeah, it, as to that, you know, we've, we've, we've gotten involved with, uh, with Shelter, yeah. uh, Shelter Hackney they're going to be um, we're doing and four of the visual artists involved have donated paintings and we're going to be doing ongoing raffles throughout the festival to raise money for them and they'll also have a okay a does f- that mean we'll get a chance to win a, a yeah. win a professional oh, yeah yeah if, if you, uh, you'll be able to win an original one of my paintings is, is obviously in there but um, okay. some uh, Athena Barca Tim Stocks they've all donated um, works to towards this cause um on top of that, we're also doing um, a few free workshops as well. That, and we've those are just people who have donated their time, basically volunteering to bring art to the community. And, you know, Liz Hobbs is doing a running one. Norman Bailey is running a storytelling workshop. You okay. know, and it's really... It's really quite a cool thing, and you know, and we really want to grow this thing. Is this is this is a seed? This is a proof of concept. But like, we want this to be, 
you know, an annual festival. Quite a proof of concept. Two <laughs> weeks, a multidisciplinary thing. You yeah. know what I mean? You've gone all out for the first one. Yeah, I mean, go big or go home. You know, it's, it's an ambitious <laughs> project. But, you know, at some point, you know, all these things have to start somewhere. Yeah. And, you know, you, you just call people. You, you get involved. You, 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 you look people up. You, you, you do, you know, you just, you just put, put everything into it. And, you know, people have responded, really. And it's, it's super exciting to, to, to be hosting this thing. Yeah. Oh, and cool. shout shout out to to London Fields Tap Room and Brewery uh, and the Brew House because they have definitely stepped up to allow us to participate in that space for the next two weeks. Was there a motivation for that particular? I guess you just need somewhere that could house this, right? You <laughs> yeah. need somewhere. Was there a particular story behind that, or was yeah. it just somewhere suitable? Uh, I got to give a, a a shout out to my friend Kevin Skinner of the uh, Unit G Gallery down in uh, Shoreditch because okay. he uh, he's an old friend of mine and he. I, I remember when we were looking for a venue because I heard – so basically it's me I've, – I've been doing a lot of the kind of groundwork of organizing it, but then there's two other partners in terms of a diversity of unit, which is the partnership who's organizing the event. So there's me, Douglas Carson, there's Athena Barca, and then there's uh, Demetrius Astronis. And Athena approached me with the idea in – golly, must have been in September. Okay. And from that – she said, oh, I want to organize this massive project. And I said, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's do it. And uh, then we started uh, asking around if anyone knew of a venue that might be friendly towards this kind of thing. Because, you know, we don't have any funding for this. This is in all the artists who are working are working on ticket share basis. Oh, wow. So, yeah, nobody's nobody's getting paid up front for this. Not a single artist involved. It's come all, down. Yeah, come down. Done, come done. down. These are all people who are depending on you guys to come down and enjoy this festival to, to, to pay the bills and stuff. So, yeah, it's all ticket share, you know. And we're, the bulk of that goes to the art. I mean, it's all for them. You know, there's a few costs to cover, but that's, other than that, it's it's really about them, the artists getting paid and getting rewarded for making amazing work. And, you know, I'm a big believer that people should be rewarded for making amazing work. So just once more, where can people find out more? Okay, so the website is definitely the best place to do it. We, uh, it's www.12festival.co.uk. That's one, the word, two, the number, festival.co.uk. We've also got a Facebook, which is a Facebook diversity of unit. Uh, and we've got a Twitter feed, which is one, two, underscore festival. And we're trying to stay updated with all of the social media stuff but you know there's only three of us and you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a it's a bit of a mad dash at this point to to get everything set up well no so it's starting on friday starting well. on friday one way or the other but yeah come out definitely if you want to get your hands dirty do some painting on with pop-up painting on the sunday if you want to laugh your head off come to the uh stand-up comedy if you want to see some beautiful poetry that we're closing it out with um the performance poetry and then the theater day on the 21st is just going to be mind-boggling. It's just, you know, the whole thing is, I'm super thrilled. I'm super psyched to see all this stuff. Cool. Thanks, Douglas. Thanks a lot, yeah. Thanks so much, Douglas, for coming to join us in the studio. Um, now that we're exploring the railway arches at London Fields, um, why not venture a few arches down from the tap room? And there's a new addition to this area, which is really under rapid transformation. Like every time I go to um, those London Fields arches, there's a new venue. It's just amazing. So there's a it's not so new. It's been there for a year. Um, a new multifaceted venue called the Institute of Light.
My name's Joe Hagen, and I am the director of the Institute of Light, which we rather pretentiously call an analog cultural hub. We've been going for a year now. I am, by day, a, a local Hackney architect, and I've been in the London Fields area for about 15 years now. I've um, done a mixed bag of projects, including residential and also commercial and leisure projects around here. And about 18 months ago, I was inspired by two clients, one of whom ran a vinyl record store called BBE Records, and also by another client who did a pop-up 35mm cinema. They were both looking for space, and I thought these things go together because they're informed by analogue culture. And I started looking for a space for them and then I thought well why don't I just do it myself and I got together with various partners the main one is Mark Bailey who originally run the Institute of Light in Chelsea about 25 years ago as a film and design studio and we took that as an inspiration to form what we have here by day we have a vinyl record store selling all forms and all genres of vinyl and by night that is a cinema now the barn restaurant by day is a bookshop and and cafe and by night is a bar and restaurant so the space is modular it's flexible i wouldn't say it's modular there are modular elements of it in terms of there are movable parts that uh, serve different purposes i mean this is all within a very static environment which is a railway arch so the elements that make the various parts of the space are movable within the space it's it's really exciting <laughs> and also quite chaotic at times because it's got four different things functioning within one space and the borders between those functions become blurred at times and also the people who work in the various parts of the space don't usually come together as one and it's uh, been a really exciting ride trying to you know um, weld all those elements together but we think we're doing quite well it's an exciting place to be I think. So you know you said you've been working in this area for a long time. 15 years. 15 years. I mean even in the past two years mm. this area just under the arches has been like yeah completely transformed yes. and it's interesting that you're now part of that kind of transformation by mm. having a, a location uh, well I haven't become a part of it in the last two years I mean I'd like to think I've been a part of it for 15 years because we've done straightforward architectural projects we've redeveloped the London Fields estate and we've put roof gardens and studios on top of existing buildings at number three Mentmore Terrace we did our own development which is a mixed-use building of apartments and office studios we also refurbished the market cafe down on Broadway market as well as a lot of private residential developments in the area so I'd like to think I'm part of that renaissance if you'd like but to actually do our own project that is an unusual thing and it's great and really frightening <laughs> at the same time because you're not spending your clients money you're spending your own and you've got to put your money where your mouth is which is fantastic and scary at the same time and I'm interested in this kind of um, analogue 
idea of going back to vinyl and 35 mil film so are all the films that you show no no, no we're not we're not luddites <laughs> um we're inspired i would say by analog culture because uh, that inspiration takes a form of i suppose stopping to think before you make a statement we initially set out to provide the space for other people to curate to tell you the truth because we don't run restaurants we don't <laughs> we're not film cinema operators we're not all of these elements but we have an interest in these elements because we consume them and as consumers you know we have a different criteria in approaching them so we initially set it up and we still are informed by this the kitchen is at the moment has a residency by a company called harley dogs who started out doing barbecues on the back of a harley davidson their residency now is uh, called Barn, and it's barbecue charcoal, barbecue tapas. So we provide the framework for people to interpret. And we also collaborate a lot with a lot of different cultural institutions, like the Serpentine Gallery's done a programme here. We've also worked with the Whitechapel Gallery, Royal College of Arts, Architecture School are launching their summer school here today. Can you give me a little tour? Yes, you want, you want yes. me to take you around? Yeah, yeah sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is our terrace, and it's the outside space for eating and drinking. The food is cooked outside on a charcoal grill, which is quite primeval and also exciting at the same time. As we come through into the courtyard, up a ramp, and... Um, outside seating area so it's the semi-inside and outside space our terminal bar and restaurant and this was I suppose inspired by opposites it's a very industrial tough brutal Victorian space made out of masonry and we decided to counterbalance this by instilling a language which comes from airline travel which is about glamour and about going away on holiday so two seemingly different things that don't go together do come together to form a whole the bar is the central part of the terrace space and suspended above it is the projection room which is a plastic cube and this forms a central hub of the space so this is where all of the media the information the technology is housed in one block which sits in the middle of the space and all the other elements float around it coming through the terminal bar we're coming into the cinema itself the cinema seats about 54 people and we carry on the um, airline theme, if you like, by uh, using reclaimed airline seats, which are also demountable. Within about four hours, we can take everything out of the space and make it one event space. And the screen goes up during the day, and we open out onto a big set of glass doors, which go out onto the other end of, of the venue, onto a street. So during the day, as we say, this is a, it's a vinyl record store and the public can enter in through these big glass doors and it's quite theatrical because one enters into a cinema through the cinema screen itself, which is it's an enigmatic and you know, a great way to come into the space and also to generate interest about what's here and what, what happens to it at night. 
So we wheel these record boxes out and put them into the cinema, take up the screen, open the doors, and it's immediately as a vinyl store. It's very clever. <laughs> Thank you. A lot of people don't know it's here because we are in a back street. We're on the east side of London Fields as you exit out onto Mentmore Terrace towards London Fields Station and we're at number 10 Helmsley Place, which not a lot of people walk past, but once they come in, you know, just intrigued by what's here. There's also down the road, it's a Danish bakery called the Bread Station and opposite that, there's a Burmese restaurant called Lampette's. So... It's a nice little, you know, foodie stop-off if you have uh, uh, a loss for something to do in Hackney, which is quite unusual, I must admit. <laughs> thank you very much. All right, thank you. And now we've wheeled out the studio piano. Stack and Vera are in place, and it's good to have you with us, guys. Thanks. Thanks. We'll find out a little more about Stack and a new EP release. But first, let's hear something. What are you going to play for us? This is called Me and You. It's a very stripped back version. There's space in it, so don't think it's ended. (laughs) (laughs) We won't clap. (laughs) We won't clap. dark road and you can be a light too hard to hold when I miss the footfall bump down on the dust and watch you roll I never said that I couldn't see same way in same way you're too far away for me so I burn it off, burn it off Like you never even touched me ba, 
You spin me on a hairpin, hairpin. Pummel the ground and let me carry you home. I didn't know you were on your own. I always thought you had me to hold somewhere we got lost. We got lost for God knows why. And I can't find let you in. So it's the start that had our only beginning. Oh, that's the only thing. gonna take us home that's down to me and you me and you <laughs> thank you I told you very <laughs> nice yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you Okay, so that's off the new EP released on Two Point Records, is it? Yeah. Called, um, what's the EP called? It's called Perpetual. And why is it called Perpetual? Because I've been perpetually recording it and uh, <laughs> releasing it. It's been like a number of years, so I just thought I'd call it Perpetual. And also I've got a song called Perpetual on it, so it kind of, you know, it fit. Okay, so you, I understand that you record, you wrote, recorded and sort of self-produced the the. The I whole had, thing. Yeah, I had help with production, an amazing okay. producer called um, Memetone. Yeah. Um, he created all... There's lots of, like, electronics involved in quite a lot of the songs, but um, he lives in Bristol, so we, and he wouldn't fit, so... Oh, we, no, um, that's fine. No, yeah. no, you did a great job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's amazing. So, like, there's quite a collection of collaborators on the EP, um, and you've got a lot of great co-signs. I mean, people like... Giles Peterson and Mark Ronson oh. seem to have, have, have praised it to the hill. So they've they've said nice things, yeah. It's well, been, I bet that's nice, isn't it's it? Been nice, it makes me talk like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's been lovely um, to hear. Because what they you, think of it, I yeah, guess. I mean, you've been compared to Minnie Ripperton, a personal hero, hero of mine. Are you a fan of that kind of music? Oh yeah, I love Minnie Ripperton. I, yeah. I haven't got the octaves that she's got. Oh and gosh. that's crazy. Well, but, um, I, I try and mimic those in... in no, I'm not doing it here. <laughs> but, you know, and that's a private pleasure. Private pleasure, isn't it, obviously? But, um, so, where can we hear you play live? Um, I'm playing The Great Escape on the 18th of... I was about to say Thursday, um, May. Um, that's... Oh, wait, I've got it written down because I can never remember details. Okay. Where's my phone? Um, thanks. Uh, it's uh, um, a ho- the hotel... Hmm, hold on, hold on, hold on. Da 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 da. I can't see it. Oh, it's Liberty Music are putting on an event called Girl Power with like all of the vowels removed. Girl Okay, Girl Pro. Um And it's part of the Great Estate Festival in Brighton later yeah. this month, yeah? Yeah. On the eighteenth okay. of May. The eighteenth of May. And what sort of time of day? Because if um, anyone's at the festival they might want to just yeah, you know you roll down. through. Um we're playing at five thirty till six. Um so yeah. 
early evening slot. And what kind of setup will that be? That will that be acoustic or will that be That'll the full? That will be the full shebang with with what's he called? Memetone. Memetone. With Memetone involved. Yeah. He's crazy on stage because he literally plays every instrument. We had to tell him to like leave the cello behind and the harp behind, and like he plays guitar and bass. Not at the same time, but like kind of swaps around. Okay. He's a very talented man. But also, can I plug another gig? Yeah, plug away. Thank you. Um, I'm playing on the 6th of June at um, The Nines in Peckham. Oh, And cool. we've got Royce Virginia DJing, and I haven't, support, uh, I haven't got the support slot sorted yet, but um, it should be fun. Okay, okay. So that sounds brilliant. So you talk about your um, collaborators being very talented, but you yourself, I understand, are a Brit school graduate, are you, are you not? You're like the cream of... You know, the cream of British musical talent here. That's what we've got. Well, that's a nice thing to say. I mean, I, I, yeah, I went to the Brit School. (laughs) (laughs) And what was was that experience like? I loved it. I I learned a lot about music at the Brit School and people. And um, they kind of encourage you to be yourself, which I found at the age of 14 is quite like an important thing to do. Um, They encourage creativity. You know, you didn't wear a uniform. It was it was an amazing place. It still is. It still is an amazing place. Um, my friend actually teaches there. Shout out to Chris. Shout out to Chris. Cool. And um, we'd like you to. I think we need to hear some more music. What what, what else would you like to play for us? What live? Yeah. Have we got time? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's quite a long song. Um, uh, this is um, a song called Hop. But I'm gonna attempt to play it on the ukulele, and I can't play the ukulele. So, I can't. <clears throat>
it's so undignified how you can't see what i've made you try how the holes just won't let us collide but i won't let you sit by i can only disguise Hide the burden of the state that I'm in Ignore the weight of your eyes on my skin If only something could tame it For I did dream that you saw my letter from Set me down, pick me up and love me right. Don't you ever make me cry? For I will always love you. That was Stack with Harp. And um, the the noise you could hear in the background was us transporting the studio (laughs) into a festival field, just kind of preempting summer. Lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for that wonderful music and playing it live in the studio. And everyone can go to Brighton in a couple. Is it next week? Yeah. Yeah, next week. Go to Brighton. Great escape. It's time for us to say goodbye. Eastcast will be back soon on Resonance 104.4 FM with more sounds and stories from East London and beyond. In the meantime, you'll be able to hear a tiny bit of um, uh, Perpetual from Stack. We'll we'll only have time to play a minute or so. Um, You can find everything on eastcastshow.com and thank you for listening. Join us again next month on Eastcast. I miss you when it goes. It never feels the same. I had somebody tell me you probably say the same thing. Fuck.